Hi, I'm Jim Stroud, and this is my special report podcast, Mo Data, Mo Problems. If you want to learn something truly fascinating that you might not have considered before, go to your favorite search engine and look up the phrase, Big Data is a Civil Rights Issue. As you scan through the search results and glean tidbits of data from the descriptions or skim the various articles, you will no doubt see that the world is sitting on a powder keg of outrage. Algorithms and automation threaten to divide my country more profoundly than any political unrest around Civil War statues, rumors of Russian collusion, or fake hate crimes ever could. Indeed, when it comes to racial disparity in terms of opportunity or various life advancements, nothing is more injurious than the unintended consequences of machine learning. When I consider the effects on society and the labor market, I shudder at the pending reality of it all. Just over a year ago, I wrote an article on big data and speculated on the societal implications. I called it, Big Data is a Civil Rights Issue. Now, in this podcast, I'm revisiting that topic and going a bit deeper in my analysis. The report, told in three parts, is this. Part one, big data, big bias, where I explore the unintended consequences of so-called unbiased algorithms. Part two, big data, big money, where I look at how much money data brokers are making off of my privacy and the incentive they have to go even further. And then part three. Big Data, Big Escape, where I consider my options after learning more about my lack of privacy on the Internet. Stay tuned for a very, very special report. Part 1, Big Data, Big Bias. In Los Angeles, there are 16 undisclosed locations where the public is being monitored by police surveillance cameras. Said cameras can recognize individuals from up to 600 feet away, according to The Atlantic. Quote, The faces they collect are more compared in real time against hot lists of people suspected of gang activity or having an open arrest warrant. Considering arrest and incarceration rates across L.A., chances are high that those hot lists disproportionately implicate African Americans. Facial recognition systems are more likely either to misidentify or fail to identify African Americans than other races, errors that could result in innocent citizens being marked as suspects in crimes. End quote. Several states enroll driver license data into their facial recognition databases, which help them identify suspected fugitives caught on camera. And I think that is a good thing. In fact, I applaud it. However, I have one bit of apprehension. Who inspects these facial recognition systems for accuracy? I would think that without such a safeguard, wrongful arrests would proliferate. And just in case you are interpreting my concern as alarmist, let me share a quote from the American Civil Liberties Union blog.
Amazon's face surveillance technology is the target of growing opposition nationwide, and today there are 28 more causes for concern. In a test, the ACLU recently conducted the facial recognition tool called Recognition. The software incorrectly matched 28 members of Congress, identifying them as other people who have been arrested for a crime. The members of Congress who were falsely matched with the mugshot database uh, were used in the test include Republicans and Democrats, men and women, and legislators of all ages from all across the country. The false matches were disproportionately of people of color, including six members of the Congressional Black Caucus, among them civil rights legend Representative John Lewis, a Democrat from Georgia. These results demonstrate why Congress should join the ACLU in calling for a moratorium on law enforcement use of face surveillance. What I have noticed among laymen is a blind trust of technology that is rooted in the ignorance of algorithmic bias. To quote Wikipedia, quote, Algorithmic bias describes systematic and repeatable errors in a computer system that create unfair outcomes such as privileging one arbitrary group of users over others, end quote. Algorithmic bias is not new. Academics and experts have been warning about it for years. However, what makes it especially critical at this time is the prominence algorithms are finding in so much of our everyday life. To put it simply, people have biases. People program algorithms. Therefore, algorithms are biased. And like in real life, some biases are unintentional. Case in point. In 2017, when I googled the phrase unprofessional hairstyles for work and refine the results by face, I see African-American women overwhelmingly represented. Does Google think that the various hairstyles of African-American women are unprofessional? Google the company probably does not. Google the machine thinks otherwise. Were these results engineered to appear this way? Mm, I doubt it. Consider another instance of search engine faux pas <laughs> when Google was identifying black people as gorillas. You see, what had happened was someone did a search on gorillas and saw their friend in the results, a dark-skinned black woman. The person tweeted the mistake to Google, which generated a lot of uproar at the time. And to Google's credit, when I search gorilla now, <laughs> just now, no human faces, black or otherwise, appeared as a result. Now, did Google believe that black people bear a resemblance to simians? I think it's safe to say that Google, the company, does not. However, Google, the machine, thought otherwise, at least until Google, the company, made adjustments. If you would indulge me, allow me another example from Google. Uh, Google used to feature mugshots at the top of search results for people with black-sounding names. <laughs> Latanya Sweeney, a black professor in government and technology at Harvard University and founder of the Data Privacy Lab, brought this to the public's attention in 2013 when she published her study of Google AdWords. She found that when people searched Google for names that traditionally belonged to black people, the ads shown were of arrest records and mugshots. Interesting. Not only is unintended bias uh, apparent in facial recognition systems and search engines, but it also happens in online job advertising. Listen to this quote from Michael Keller, a journalist from the New York Times. 
quote, Did you know that online ads for high-paying jobs are shown more often to men than women? According to a recent study from researchers at Carnegie Mellon University. In the study, ads for CareerChange.com, a job coaching website advertising 200,000-plus salaried jobs for executives only, were shown roughly 1,800 times to the male profiles and then only around 300 times to the female profiles. According to Anupam Datta, one of the researchers on the study and an associate professor in computer science and electrical and computer engineering at Carnegie Mellon, it could be that Google's machine learning algorithm over time may have inferred that more males were clicking on these career services ads and the system optimized to show them to males. If this is so, it is then unintentional automated discrimination. End quote. I think I like that phrase, unintentional automated discrimination. I like it because it succinctly encapsulates the essence of what I'm trying to prove. The more we embrace technology, the greater the possibility of an unintended consequence against people of color, people of a certain class, or even people of a particular political affiliation. This makes me wonder a few other things, too. Although we know the Internet collects information on us in order to better sell us stuff, do we really know how much it knows? How it knows? Would it really freak us out to discover the details of that? Mm, it just might. Find out for sure in part two. Coming up next. I have a question for talent acquisition managers. How many jobs do you advertise a year? 100, 500, 10,000 or more? If so, let me give you a tip on how to maximize your job advertising budget. And that tip, well, is Click IQ. Click IQ's automated job advertising platform manages, tracks, and optimizes the performance of your job advertising in real time, focusing your money where it's needed most to reach both active and passive job seekers across Indeed, Google, Facebook, Instagram, and an extensive network of job boards. So, talent acquisition managers, if you want to make sure you are getting the most value out of your job advertising budget, I highly suggest you check out ClickIQ online at www.clickiq.us. That's www.clickiq.us. Or you can email me directly. My email is jim at clickiq.us. That's right. I was so impressed by the technology behind ClickIQ that I joined the company. I think you will be impressed as well. Again, on the web, www.clickiq.us or email me directly. Jim at clickiq.us. You'll be glad you did. As discussed in part one, the technology we use to make our lives easier can be programmed to work against us no matter how unintentional our motives. The systems we automate to help us leverage a lot of data to do that. This is especially true with advertising. You ever stop and wonder just how do they get all of your information to begin with? Part two, big data, big money. The internet is a free exchange of ideas, ideally. <laughs> a free exchange that is powered by money, advertising money to be precise. In many cases, you are the product being sold to advertisers. When you are on the internet and or are using your cell phone, data is being collected about you. 
that data is sold to advertisers so they can better target you so that you'll buy more of their stuff. How is that data collected? Well, I don't know all of their mysterious ways, but I do know these. Huh. One way to get you is with clickstream data. Uh, in custom advertising, the term clickstream refers to a record of web pages you visited. Uh, this data is collected using a tiny text file called a cookie, which a site sends to your computer so it can track your movements across its pages. Marketing companies like DoubleClick, which Google owns, uh, advertise on sites across the web. They use cookies to compile surprisingly complete records of users' browsing habits. Hmm. Another way to get you, search data. The keywords you use on a search engine and your habits on a search engine are tracked, analyzed, so advertisers can position their product to you at just the right time when you are searching for related items uh, based on the keywords you're using. Another way to track you, uh, purchase data. You ever notice how uh, websites like Amazon will recommend items that remind you of other things you've purchased or viewed in the past? Well, that's because online stores often use cookies or user registration to keep track of what you buy and even what you put into your shopping cart online and later abandon. All of that in an effort to personalize your shopping experiences. Uh, two more. Profile data. When you create a profile on a social networking site such as Facebook, you probably enter information about your age, your religion, education, political views, interests, favorite movies, music, books, and all of that so your friends can get to know you better. Well, what you may not realize is that these sites like Facebook are using that data to provide you with custom advertising. So if you list one of your interests as Game of Thrones, then don't be surprised when you start to see ads for books in the fantasy genre. And this one, <laughs> this is really interesting. Browser fingerprinting. Yeah, that's another way to track you. Now, uh, believe it or not, browsers are actually pretty unique. Uh, websites can determine your operating system, uh, what version of browser that you're using, the plugins that you have installed on your, your browser, uh, what version of those plugins are installed in your browser, your operating system screen resolution, your fonts that you have installed on your computer, your time zone, and other information like that. So they can be very specific about who they target uh, based on their browser because no browsers, no two browsers are exactly the same uh, by virtue of all the uh, different things that are installed in it. Huh. How about that? And if all that isn't enough, know this. You don't have to be logged in to be tracked. <laughs> yeah. Here's a quote from the Consumer Reports blog, The Consumerist. Quote, The FTC found that companies are using both deterministic and probabilistic approaches to identifying users and connecting them to one overarching profile, meaning that advertisers don't always need you to be logged in to know that it's you. Deterministic data is information you give, 
logging onto your Google account on your work PC and your personal phone, for example, ties those devices to a single account. Or when you give retail clerks your phone number at the point of sale, that ties that transaction to your unique identifier, your 10-digit phone number. <laughs> Something probabilistic, on the other hand, is an inference, an educated guess uh, on the advertiser's part. Let's say, for example, that you're on a shopping site uh, from your phone at home. If that has the same IP address as your home PC, that increases the chance that both are you. Then let's say you use the Wi-Fi at work to log in again from your phone the next day, and you've also logged into that same site using your work laptop, once again, sharing an IP address. That chain of A equals B and B equals C mathematically leads the computer to make a pretty good guess that A equals B equals C and all three logins belong to you. The more pieces of information you leave in your wake, and you leave many, <laughs> the smarter those guesses can get. It's not as certain an identifier as when you log into a site, but the sum total of these data points are likely to paint a pretty convincing circumstantial picture without you knowing or even noticing that it's happened." End quote. When you think about all of the ways companies are tracking you and your online activities, you have to wonder a couple of things. Well, I do, anyways. <laughs> First, how much money is there in selling personal data of online activity? The short answer is a lot. Companies that collect your personal data and later sell it are called data brokers. As to how many operate in the United States, uh, Newsweek had this to say, quote, In fact, it's unknown exactly how many data brokers operate in the United States because so many keep a low profile. Credible estimates range from 2,500 to 4,000. These are, excuse me, there are super giants in the field, Axiom, Experian, but there are many uh, myriad smaller companies that few have heard of. Exact data, Paramount List, Data Logics, Statistics. End quote. And according to NPR, National Public Radio, one of the largest brokers, Axiom, reported over $800 million in revenue in 2015. And again, that is only one out of an estimated 4,000 companies. So, okay, I get it. There is a lot of money in targeted advertising. That means there are a lot of people with a strong incentive to learn all they can about me. It makes me wonder just how far will some companies go to find out. If you would indulge me, let me share a couple of things I learned from the DuckDuckGo blog. How do I feel about being uh, a member of the Information Society? That's a difficult question because I didn't know we were in the Information Society. When you search on Google, they keep your search history forever. That means they know every search you've ever done on Google. See for yourself by going to uh, www.myactivity.google.com slash myactivity. Something else I learned from DuckDuckGo. The Princeton Web Transparency and Accountability Project is an initiative that monitors websites and services to find out what user data companies collect, how they collect it, and what they do with it. With their measurement platform, they study privacy, security, and ethics of consumer data usage. In 2017, they found that Google's trackers are installed on 75% of the top million internet websites. Huh. The next closest was Facebook at 25%. 
Google sells ads not only on their search engine, but also on over 2.2 million other websites and over 1 million apps. Every time you visit one of these sites or use one of these apps, Google is storing that information and using it to target ads at you. That's why you may have seen ads following you all over the net. And here's something else you may want to ponder. Amazon's Alexa product has been in the news a lot lately. Alexa, what is the weather? For tens of millions of Americans, it's 59 degrees. That voice is like a trusted member of the family. Alexa, turn off Jason's lamp. Okay. Always listening for the key word that wakes up Alexa. But now, Amazon confirms thousands of employees around the world listen to voice recordings captured by that speaker in homes and offices every day. Questions, family discussions, financial matters, even intimate moments. Part of an effort, Amazon says, to improve the software and better recognize voice patterns, accents, and slang. In Maryland, Steve Filio pulled the plug on his Echo. You know, it was just really creepy thinking that something was listening to everything we were saying walking around the house. In your own home? In my own home. Amazon says it takes customer privacy seriously and reviews only a small number of randomly selected recordings and employees do not have direct access to information that can identify the person or account as part of this workflow. Bloomberg News says that even when they hear something criminal, they're unable to report it. But privacy experts say the fact that someone could be listening to you and your family is a big red flag. The benefits of, you know, being able to play a song just by voice instead of going over and tapping it. Uh, to me, doesn't outweigh the creepy privacy risks. It is in the terms and conditions, and you can go into Alexa's privacy settings and disable voice recordings. Or, say experts, assume someone could always be listening. Tom Costello, NBC News, Bethesda, Maryland. Now, do you wonder why they are so intent on listening? Well, of course. <laughs> so they can better sell you things. Here's a quote from CNBC, quote, Amazon is turning to Alexa and asking it to build a big digital advertising business. The e-tailer has been in talks with several companies about letting them promote products on the best-selling Echo devices, which are powered by the Alexa voice assistant, according to several people familiar with the matter who asked not to be named because the discussions are private. Consumer companies, including Procter & Gamble and Clorox, have been involved in these talks, according to the people, end quote. Huh. Isn't that interesting? All right, something else to think about. Facebook's hardware product portal is a video phone with a camera that follows you around as you move. It listens to your voice like Alexa and allows you to chat with your Facebook connections. I wonder, how much more data could Facebook learn about you when it has a camera following the activity inside of your home? Hmm. One more thing to think about. In the United Kingdom, when you look at a billboard, uh, it's quite possible that it's looking back at you and collecting data so companies can what? You guessed it. Better sell you stuff. Here's a quote from uh, The Sun. Quote, surveillance cameras in shopping center billboards are being used to spy on you so you can be targeted with the correct advertisements. The giant screens contain technology that can work out your age, gender, and even what mood you're in at the time. 
How long customers look at certain adverts can also be monitored and the adverts being displayed can change depending on who is walking past. The Sunday Times had discovered 50 of these screens so far across the UK, including several screens at Westfield Shopping Centre in Shepherd's Bush, London. Companies promoting the system have claimed that it complies with the UK's data protection laws because no individually identifying information is being collected or stored. Therefore, there is no legal requirement to tell shoppers that they are being filmed. How about that? Up next, big data, big escape. DuckDuckGo is a search engine just like Google, and its main focus is users' privacy. If you have ever used this search engine, you already know what it can do for you. Now, whether you are a new DuckDuckGo user who is trying to learn what all this site can do, or you are someone who has already been using the site for some time, learning some of the search tips for this famous search engine will not hurt. Go to www.jimstroud.com free to download the free ebook, 12 DuckDuckGo search tips you should know to boost productivity. Again, go to www.jimstroud.com free to download the free ebook, 12 DuckDuckGo search tips you should know to boost productivity. Do it now. You'll be glad you did. We can program our own technology to work against us, even if that programming is unintentional. And companies make a lot of money selling our data, so expect them to be even more invasive with things like cameras in our home and billboards that watch us. So, if all that makes one mm, uncomfortable, how should one react to this era of big data? Well, I see three alternatives. One of them is pretty extreme. I'll go with that one first. Big data, big escape. Have you ever thought about going totally off the grid, abandoning all technology, hunting your own food, and communing with nature? Well, if you don't have the survival skills required to do such, the next best thing is something called Camp Grounded. Camp Grounded is like summer camp for adults, and no technology is allowed. Camp Grounded, nestled amongst Northern California's Redwoods, looks like a traditional summer camp. Campers arrive in a classic yellow school bus. There's face painting and impromptu sing-alongs. But here, no one is posting pictures on Instagram, tweeting, or texting. This is Digital Detox Camp for the Technology Obsessed. I took videos and pictures all the way here and status updates so I didn't have any signal and I really do think I have a problem. You put all of your devices in a brown paper bag and you turn them in for four days in the tech check. We are here to check your technology. Okay. Anything that you will not be needing for the weekend. And you leave the doors and you don't have a watch, you don't have a cell phone, you don't even have a wallet. All you have is you and a new opportunity. It's kind of nice to just be able to come here and focus on myself and the other people that I'm with and not have to be available for anyone. The campers, who hail from more than 30 states and five different countries and range in age from 19 to 81 this session, also must adopt a camp name for the weekend to discourage any work talk or networking. I'm Ladybug. Jiggly. My name is Topless. So my name is TBD. 
Here at camp, they have their own version of an inbox where campers can actually leave each other paper messages. But that's not all. In the analog zone, there's a paper news feed you can scroll, a place to clip your art, and even a human-powered search engine where campers can ask and answer questions. <laughs> Levi Felix founded his digital detox organization and Camp Grounded after falling ill while working as a vice president of a tech company. He realized he needed a break and figured others in a tech-saturated world did too. Well, we live in a world where the average person spends between 8 and 12 hours a day on a screen, and our campers spend about 13 hours based on surveys. I agree to not use any digital technology during this event. Camp Grounded, we offer yoga, meditation, hiking, archery, rock wall, truffle making, learning how to make fire with sticks. Camp Grounded is digital detox, not digital rehab. Turn off your device's batteries for a weekend while you recharge your own. Veteran camper Love Handles says he was changed upon his return to San Francisco last summer. I was much more open and willing to talk to people. Even in ca casual encounters, I was much more aware of their humanity. It's really surfacing as a spot where you can't be defined by 140 characters. You know, you're defined by, you know, your dance moves or how good you are at capture the flag. Camp Grounded costs $570 for three nights, including meals, batteries not included or needed. In San Francisco, I'm Kara Suboy, CNET.com for CBS News. If you like the idea of Camp Grounded but don't have the $575 to enroll or can't take the time off, huh, ironically, you might like option number two, Cutting off the means for companies to track you as best you can. It's a lot of work, but worth it if you truly value your privacy. I will share links to everything that I suggest on my site, jimstroud.com, so be sure to look there for the following resources that I will mention in just a moment. Data brokers know that you don't like what they do, so they enacted a voluntary self-regulation effort. Uh, sort of. <laughs> the National Advertising Initiative and the Digital Advertising Alliance websites allow you to opt out of some of the targeted advertising, but there's a catch. You have to select services one at a time, per device, per browser, in order to opt out. Clearing your cookies deletes your opt-out preferences. And even if the request works, and sometimes it doesn't, there have been few, if any, consequences for an advertiser that ignores your opt-out request. There are uh, several free ad blockers out there, and among the best of those are AdLock, Incognito Ad Blocker, and UBlock because they prevent all types of ads while also ensuring your privacy. I would also recommend that you use DuckDuckGo for your search engine. They don't track you, and the results are pretty good on par with Google, in my opinion. I think it's a good idea to adopt browsers that are more privacy conscious as well. I use the Brave browser mostly, sometimes Vivaldi, and I tinker around with a couple of others. You can also set your advertising preferences for the sake of privacy in Facebook, Google, and Amazon. Like I said, links to where that can be done is posted uh, on my site too. I will give you my option three and a few parting words as I wrap this up uh, right after this. 
Hey guys, Jim Stroud here with a special thank you for all of my listeners, especially those who are listening to this very long podcast. <laughs> if you go to the URL, uh, jimstroud.com slash free, you will see a collection of free downloadable gifts that just might interest you. Here are just a few of them. Hashtag unplug how to work hard and still have a life. Uh, this ebook that you can download from my site explores how and why to untether yourself from technology throughout the workday on the weekends. And on vacation without undoing your career. Download it now. Also available are, let's see here, eight tips to keep your Snapchat secure. A good one. Uh, the very unofficial guide to Facebook privacy. <laughs> you definitely, definitely want to download that. Uh, then I have the unofficial guide to Tor, really private browsing. I have the Luddites, the Luddites Guide to Modern Technology. How to Transform Depression and Anxiety to Happiness, which is surprisingly good. And also 11 Productivity Hacks That Don't Suck, <laughs> along with several others there. Uh, get to it by going, of course, jimstroud.com slash free. That's jimstroud.com slash free. Download them all. Download them now. Share them with a friend. It is my gift to you. Enjoy. And now back to the show. There's a popular saying that I have heard my entire life. If you can't beat them, join them. In the face of big data, there are some companies allowing you to do just that. These are just three of those companies. Business Insider reports, a new app called Data Wallet wants people to opt into sharing their data. The app maker sells it to marketing firms so they can make a quick buck on the information they inadvertently already provide. The unusual service takes the, if you can't beat them, join them attitude to data snooping. The Sociable blog reports, Datum, based in Switzerland, Singapore, and Hong Kong, governs the Datum Network, a place where users can share or sell their data on their own terms from places such as Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Essentially, it gives you the power to decide who has access to your data and helps you make money from it, whilst preserving your anonymity. Because our data is apparently very valuable, priceless even, and there is a lot of it, so it's no surprise that major companies have been taking advantage of it, but with Datum, now it's your turn. The platform gives users the power to make sure they know exactly where their data is going and what it is being used for. It provides the methods for independence to decide who can use your data and to what end. It gives users a chance to monetize their data on their own terms. And the MIT Technology Review tells us this. A startup called DataCoup is far from the only tech company hoping to get rich by selling insights mined from your personal data but it may be the only one offering to give you money for that information. DataCoup is running a beta trial in which people get $8 a month in return for access to a combination of their social media accounts such as Facebook and Twitter and the feed of transactions from a credit or debit card. New York City-based startup plans to make money by charging companies for access to trends found in that information after it has been removed of personally identifying details. Wow, I think I covered a lot in this episode. Quick recap. 
Big data, big bias. Technology is not perfect and certainly cannot be bias-free since humans are programming the algorithms leveraging the data. What's needed, I think, are a few entrepreneurs willing to build a business on auditing all of these systems so many of us take for granted. Right now, I only know of one company that does that, O'Neill Risk Consulting and Algorithmic Auditing. Big data, big money. When one company can make nearly a billion dollars a year selling private data, that is a guarantee that targeted advertising is not going to stop. If nothing else, it's going to be even more intrusive. Billboards that watch you outside, cameras that follow you inside, it's only going to get worse. And finally, big data, big escape. Take a digital detox and walk away from it all, even if just for a little while. Take measures to restrict how much advertisers can learn about you or just say, hey, can't beat them, join them. If you want my private data, you can have it for a price. I wonder which option sounds the most appealing to you. This has been a Jim Stroud Podcast special report, Mo Data, Mo Problems. This report was researched, produced, and hosted by yours truly, Jim Stroud. Music by DJ Quads and others. All music credits and sources for the information contained in this podcast can be found on my blog, jimstroud.com. And oh yeah, if you like what you heard in this podcast, please subscribe. This podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and on your favorite podcast platform. And if you would... Share this podcast with a friend and or leave a comment. Your support encourages me to keep this podcast chugging down the track. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.